Good morning, my friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. Why don't you take your Bible and meet me in the book of 2 Kings chapter 19, and I want to talk about the subject of zeal because in many ways, it's like the secret sauce in a recipe. And if you don't have this key element in the recipe, it doesn't quite come out right. Matter of fact, it might not come out at all. So this is a heavy ingredient, even the secret sauce in many ways to the fulfillment of the vision that God has given you. Now, before we jump into the scriptures, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we're going into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come with brilliant illumination of your word so that we can see it and take this key ingredient and apply it to the recipe of the vision that you have given us. Now, we thank you for this, Father, in Jesus' name we pray, and together we say amen. Praise God. Second Kings chapter 19, and uh, let's drop down to verse 31. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and those who escape from Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You know, when God has something on his mind that he intends to do and says that he's going to do, you know, there's nothing that can stop him. As a matter of fact, what he proclaimed to do and this driving force of his own zeal, well, again, he got it done. And we see that in verse 32, he shall not come into this city. So the king of Assyria, who thought he was going to completely conquer Jerusalem, not only did not do so, he never even reached the city. Now, he did get pretty close to the Mount of Nob, which uh, modern-day scholars believe is Mount Scopus. And for those of you that have been to Jerusalem to visit, maybe you have even stayed there at the Dan Hotel in Mount Scopus, where we've stayed before, and you can see how close that is to Jerusalem. But God, out of his zeal, said, this is not going to happen. I'm going to deliver my people, and the Assyrian army never made it. And it must be so frustrating uh, to the enemy to come so close, but in the end result, the whole thing is a dismal failure. And we know that God sent one angel into the Assyrian army's camp, and in one night, 185,000 soldiers were killed. So the king of Assyria turned, uh, he returned back home, and then later, shortly thereafter, he was actually assassinated. So when God has something on his mind that he wants done, it is going to happen because God's zeal is involved. Now, it is the zeal of God that drives God to do the things that he does. And in Hebrew, the word zeal is kinah, and it means extreme vigor, or it is being stirred up intensely. We can even call it like a super high level of enthusiasm. This vigor, this zeal, is the energetic pursuit of God's aim or vision. And when he gives you a vision, a directive, that zeal will accommodate the vision. This is, this is very important. Now, let's go over to the prophet Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 6. And when we begin to read verse 6, 
you'll instantly think about Christmas. And we're in the month of December, but we think about Christmas because Handel's Messiah, uh, the oratorio, was put to uh, words based uh, out of this text and many other statements from the book of Isaiah. Verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, let me say this, that the church is not going backwards. The government of God, Jesus, as the head of the church, has proclaimed that the gates of hell will never, ever prevail against the church. So for those Christians who are looking to be stomped and trodden under by the Antichrist, it's not going to happen. You need to get with God's agenda, get into the flow of His government. Why? It's ever, ever, ever increasing. And when you're tied into it, that increase flows into you. Hallelujah. So we don't need to sit around and make excuses for, for why things are bad and why things are negative. We know the devil's going to do his job out there in the world, but nevertheless, the church will prevail and the glorious church in this hour is rising up and you are an integral part of it. Praise the Lord. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So if you want never-ending increase, you have to have, I would really call it a good theology, even a good eschatology, where you see this church as being triumphant and not as being a defeated entity, and we're just waiting for a uh, you know rescue ship to pick us up. There will be the catching up of the church, as Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, chapter 5, but that's not until we have preached the gospel to all the world, and then shall the end come. Now, he says, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So God's going to do it. And he said it, and you know what? He did it. He did it through Jesus. A child is born. The child has been born. Unto us a son is given. Yes, Jesus Christ of Nazareth came into the world to redeem lost mankind from sin and awful, the awful depravity of what sin causes, all of its effects. I tell you what, there is wholeness, there is complete salvation in Jesus. So what caused God Almighty, the Father, and the Holy Spirit working as well to perform this? It was God's zeal. That's how God gets things done so effectively. It's the incredible zeal that He has. Now, let's go to the Psalms, and this will be Psalm 69. Let's drop down to verse 7. Psalm 69, verse 7, I'm so glad that you're here with me today studying God's Word. Praise the Lord. Because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers. Well, we're looking, my friends, here at a messianic psalm, a psalm written 800 years before Jesus came to the earth in the form of a man. The Word became flesh. But when Jesus was on the earth, and as he would study Torah, as he would study Scripture, study the Psalms, he knew that this 
was referring prophetically to him. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Jesus knew for certainty this was a reference to him as many of the Psalms are. One of the greatest Psalms in the Bible that's messianic in nature is Psalm 22. And then you would have Isaiah 53 and you can read those chapters and you realize, my goodness, this is talking about Jesus. Yes, hundreds and hundreds of years before he ever came into the earth as a as the God-man. Now, let's go over to John chapter 2, and we'll see this developed more fully. Verse 14, And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. Let me say this just for a moment, that here, of course, in John, we're only in chapter 2, and there have been many theologians that endeavor to put the Gospels in chronological order, in in other words, so that we can read it in the proper sequence. So John puts this story right at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. Actually, it happens just after the wedding there in Cana, where he did the miracle, turned the water into wine. And here we have this story. Now, the other three gospel writers put the cleansing of the temple at the end, just uh, before his ministry wraps up and he rides triumphantly into Jerusalem, he goes into the temple. So what you're looking at is actually two cleansings. There was a cleansing here recorded by John at the beginning of the Lord's ministry, and then there was another one about three to three and a half years later towards the conclusion of his ministry. And each story is different. John tells it differently. John talks about the fabricating of the whip. But at the final cleansing, he does not use a whip, although the tables still go flying. Woo! Praise the Lord. Okay. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then His disciples remembered that it was written. Where was it written? What we just read from Psalm uh, 69. It says, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Now, some translations say it has completely consumed me. Mm -mm. Some of you are going to get touched with something pertaining to the vision and the assignment that God has for your life where many other things that used to overtake your attention will become uh, vaguely irrelevant and the true purpose of your life will really begin to burn like a fire on the inside of you. So let's talk just for a moment about the cleansing of the temple and why Jesus actually did this. A lot of people, um, they don't understand the, the Roman culture. And the reason I say Roman culture is because Judea was under the rule of Rome. And the money that was used throughout what we would know as the ancient land of Israel was Roman coin. But Jewish law that we see mentioned several times in the book of Leviticus, and also, excuse me, the book of Exodus, required that 
every adult male would have to bring a half shekel to the sanctuary, and that half shekel was a Jewish coin. So it meant that when all of the pilgrims would come up for the three great feasts, you've got to exchange some of your Roman currency into that Jewish half shekel, and that's where uh, those religious authorities were making, what we would call, they were making a killing. And there was tremendous uh, exorbitant prices of, baked into that. You know, when I travel international and I fly back, if I land at my local airport in Charlotte, there are money exchangers there, but they're not doing. <laughs> they, are not, they were not doing what these religious leaders were doing. They knew they, knew they had a cornered market. And really what you're looking at is a cartel. A cartel is when you get a group of individuals who are involved in the same thing and you come together in agreement in order to drive prices sky high and also to eliminate any other form of competition. So there really was a cartel going on here with the exchanging of money. And also if a poor person came, let's say from a great distance, because Everybody's coming up to Jerusalem. But what if your walk was 200 miles? What if your walk was 80 miles and you were poor? Well, what you could do if you were required to make a, a sacrifice, let's say a turtle dove, but yet you couldn't bring that all the way from your home, wherever your home could have been in northern Israel, way down in the Negev, down south. So when you got to the temple, you could purchase one. Oh, and they had them there for you too. You could buy them. But guess what? Again, it's a cornered market. So you're going to pay exorbitant, eye-watering prices for a dove that is supposed to be the sacrifice of a very poor person. So there was the abuse of the poor, but it affected everybody. I mean, if you're wealthy, let's say, and your sacrifice calls for a bull, but yet you live so far away, you couldn't walk that bull all the way to, to Jerusalem. Well, that's not, not to be concerned. They had bulls there too. They had, they had money exchangers. They had, they had uh, sacrificial uh, exchangers, you could say it like that, that had whatever you needed, but you're going to really pay a steep price for it and there's nowhere else to get it. And uh, Jesus realized that all of this is taking place. Uh, really, a cartel was being run, you could say, in the church, in the house of God. And that uh, that certainly caused a reaction, didn't it, with the Lord? So we see here that this response was something that took place because of the zeal that was inside of the Lord. Zeal for your house, or you could say zeal for your purpose or your mission has eaten me up. It's consumed me. I, I can't act like this is not moving me. It does. <laughs> to the point that a lot of people, they, they read those stories like, like Jesus flipping over the tables and fashioning a whip. Now, it doesn't say he hit anybody with the whip, but uh, I think that if you didn't get out of the way of it, uh, you certainly could have. But, um, but I tell you what, that's pretty fierce. Praise the Lord. But that's because of the zeal of God. So what is zeal? In the New Testament, the word is zelos in the Greek, and it's where we get the word heat from. It means heat, and it also conveys the meaning of tremendous fervency. Woo! So let's see if we can pull the Old Testament and the New Testament meanings together, and zeal therefore can be defined as a driving force that propels you towards core accomplishments in life.
You know, I don't need fervent zeal to go to Walmart and uh, buy a loaf of bread. Uh, it's, it's not like that's really that exciting. M matter of fact, my wife does all the grocery shopping and she just does that online and drives by and picks it up, doesn't even have to go into the store. So th there's a lot of things in life you don't need zeal to do. When I tie my shoelaces, I'm not very zealous about that. Why? It's not really something that, that moves you. Unless maybe you make sneakers and you have a, a, a shoestring company that could make you a little bit more excited. But zeal revolves around those core areas of your life where you have a primary calling and assignment, and that's where the burning is at. That is where the fire is at. So I would say that zeal is an essential tool for top performance. I don't even see how you could get there if you don't have it. <laughs> and along the same line, I would not classify zeal as an emotion, because emotions can be all over the board. And that, that's okay. God created our soul with the full spectrum of emotion. But zeal is not an emotion. Zeal is an internal force. It's even tangible. I mean, it can produce heat. You can feel the heat. You can feel the, the passion. Woo, praise God. Amen. So let me qualify zeal by saying this, and this will help you. God never gives a task without giving the zeal to accomplish it. Oh, hallelujah. Now, that's going to really help some of you because you realize you're going to get on task with your vision, and then you'll be like, why is this fire driving me? Even to the point where I'm skipping meals because I so want to get this done, I completely lose track of time. What's going on? That is what God gives to you when you are on the assignment that he has placed within your hands. Or you could say the destiny or the purpose, and you're pursuing that, and that fire will burn in that area. So, though in itself, zeal alone cannot get a job done, and that's okay. We understand that. Yet, what, yet zeal, it pushes you on to work at all costs. There's something about zeal that allows you to endure all the hardness and difficulties for the sake of the fulfilling of the vision that God gave to you. So zeal by itself, it, it can't get it done, but it is what I would call the secret sauce. It is the element of the recipe that if it's not there, you're probably never going to get it done. And when it is there, it makes even having to maybe stand out and wait in the rain weirdly enjoyable. <laughs> Why? There's something about doing that that's helping the, the vision to move forward. And somebody might say, oh, what an awful price. And you could say, yeah, this is very uh, uh, uncomfortable. But at the same time, I'm so happy because the project's moving forward. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe you had to make 200 phone calls in the day. Maybe your voice is so raspy and so tired, you feel like you can't talk. But but you, you accomplished something out of that that moved your project forward. Maybe you met the key investors, and maybe uh, you didn't get enough sleep. Uh, but nevertheless, this thing is driving you onward. And I tell you what, it absolutely will energize you. Jesus said, the zeal of the Lord has consumed me. And I believe that many of you, you are going to have an identification 
with this driving zeal as it relates to God's purpose, plan, and the vision that he has given for your life. Don't expect everybody to understand it. Don't, don't expect others to understand why you push so hard, but you know why. You know why. And Jesus knew what was going on also. So you need zeal because it strengthens you for endurance. And zeal, it will push you to accomplish the impossible. Now, you need your faith. We understand that. Faith without works is dead. There's going to be works. But it's that zeal. It would seem to be like an invisible substance, but it's tangible, and it's on the inside of you, and it drove Jesus, and it will drive you also. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me say that Jesus was consumed with his mission. The even, even the opposition that the Pharisees gave to him could not stop him. And we have to admit that that opposition was pretty intense. I mean, they even plotted how to murder him, how to take him out. Uh, they tried every single thing to entangle him in a word trap. Uh, they tried, you know, would try to rough him up or would even try to kill him. But none of that dampened the Lord because of his zeal. So there were times when Jesus had nowhere to sleep. And, you know, the, like a whole city would say, you're not coming in here. We, we don't agree with you. We don't want you to come in here. And so, you know, there's the statement Jesus made, uh, birds of the air have nests uh, and foxes have holes where they can go and rest and sleep. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That, that, that doesn't mean he was a vagabond going around without a home and uh, without, ever, without ever being able to stay in an inn or hotel, as we would call it in modern-day language. But there were times, yeah, it was pretty rough. And when, when a town said, you're not coming in here, uh, you couldn't check into a Holiday Inn. You couldn't go to, over to the Hilton and say, well, that's okay. Let's just, men, let's just check in over here. All 12 of, 12 of you come with me. We'll put up, we'll have a nice night in the Hilton, have a good, have a nice meal at the restaurant there in the hotel. No, it just kind of meant roll out your sleeping bag and uh, we'll do the best we can until we get on to our next location. Remember, Jesus had teams go before him. They would go two by two, and they would be like an advanced team to get meetings ready in the city and things like that. But there were some villages, some towns that said, we don't want him. And of course, Jesus said, you know, shake the dust off your feet. Uh, and that's what we do. But even all of that hardship, it never, it never stopped him. Why? Because zeal gives you supernatural endurance to not quit. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, even to the point where deprivation of food didn't even distract him. Look at this. This is amazing. John chapter 4. John 4. Let's jump over to verse 30. Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? I mean, did one of you guys go out and get him a pizza and we weren't aware of that? Well, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish 
His work. Praise the Lord. So the zeal within the Lord to finish his assignment that the Father gave to him was literally, it was like consuming him in the sense that the drive for that even overrode natural passions at times for sleep, natural uh, need at times for food. Wow. Praise the Lord. I know that uh, some of you have experienced that where you get so caught up in your work that you actually forget to eat. And then maybe hours later you realize, whoa, I never even had lunch. Praise God. Uh, And you have to go with that flow, but you also have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit work with you in these areas. So when that fire is burning, you go with that fire. You don't try try to quench it. Uh, some people, they're so adamant in normalcy that they'll say things like, well, I can't, I can't make it with, without three meals, and they better all be on time also, or I'm going to be really upset. But, but what if during one of those meals, the incoming phone call that you've been waiting for and praying for comes right when the food is served and right when the plate is put in front of you. But here comes the call. And this this is the big call. This could be the big sale. This could be the big open door. This could be the call uh, of the uh, HR person calling back with that dream job opportunity. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, God understands. I can call him back later. It's time to eat. Something is terribly wrong. Somebody doesn't understand their vision. Somebody might not even have a vision. Somebody doesn't understand their purpose. And because they're not into that mission or they're unaware of the mission, therefore, there's no zeal. There's no fervency. But I'll tell you what, when you are fervent and that zeal is burning and that call comes, You'll just push the plate back. Why? You can always eat later. You could either microwave it or just, you know, you get the big breakthrough. Who cares? Uh, Just stick it in the fridge. Let's go out and eat and celebrate. Praise God. Amen. Glory, glory to God. So Jesus saw the joy of accomplishment before him, and it generated the force of zeal in him that made every obstacle look like like some kind of a little toy distraction that he wasn't interested in. I'm telling you, zeal brings a laser-like focus, and it, it just unveils distractions for what they are, wild rabbit trail chases that lead to nothing fruitful. And you don't go for it because you're on task, you're into it, it's into you, and you're on fire with it. And you're staying in your lane, praise God. And you're reaching your destination. You're getting closer and closer to it. You're going to get that job assignment completed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to write a book. You're going to get it done. Somebody needs to produce a music album, a new CD, so that people all over the world can download it. You're going to get it done. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There are many things that God can give you an assignment for. And it's that inner fire that causes you to have the consistency and the endurance to accomplish it. You know, you can't write a book overnight, especially if the book is 300 pages. So that's why the fire needs to be maintained. We see this in the book of Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm, I'm telling you, this is Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who foresaw the conclusion, the finishing of his assignment. And that joy just kept the inner zeal burning. Jesus, for unto us a child is given. Jesus, our Messiah. You know what? December is the month of zeal. And I believe that all throughout this month, the zeal will burn so hot in you that there will even be some assignments that you will be able to get done before the year is completed. You may think that you need three more months or four months, but you'll find out that if you really press and you really let that fire burn and you drop all distractions, you can get it done. You can get it done in three weeks. Mm -mm. Praise God. Glory to God. So zeal motivates bold steps. Yeah, I mean, it'll just motivate you so that you take these strong steps and you say, you know what? If I've got to stay up all night, I'm going to get this done. Mm -mm. And there is something about zeal where it does give an offsetting energy where you might think, I should be tired after all I've done, but why do I actually feel fresh? How is it that I can somehow feel invigorated after so much of an output? It's a mystery. There is something about zeal that has a mystery element to it. Now, all true things of the kingdom do have areas about them where we don't understand it, and that's because it's spiritual in nature. But I'll tell you, uh, the more output you give, yes, there can be fatigue. We understand that. Yes, there can be brain drain, and we need to take a little break. But it's, it's fascinating how you can get a little break, and you're ready to go again. You're ready to dive right back into it. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory to God. So zeal motivates us to take bold steps. And zeal removes discouragement and distraction because you have a purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Zeal is an inner fire that burns with fervency to see the work completed. I would have to say that Paul was an extremely zealous apostle. Look what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. This is, this is quite unusual. Verse 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is to me if I do not preach the gospel. I mean... <laughs> It's like if he doesn't preach, he's going to like, like implode or something and go off into a million pieces. Why? That is such a strong assignment to him, and it drove him to preach to the Gentiles. Now, that's where his assignment was. Every time he went back to the Jews, uh, he would get in trouble. And even as, as it was prophesied to him, if you go up to Jerusalem, uh, they're going to they're gonna bind you, and they're going to tie you up, and they're going to do all things. And uh, Paul's like, well, uh, I'm going anyhow. So anytime he would deviate off the main assignment, the core calling 
The next thing you know, he's getting bit, uh, beaten or whipped or uh, another uh, dire situation. But every time he goes to the Gentiles, uh, they're, they're getting saved left and right, and uh, miracles are happening, and all kinds of uh, amazing things are taking place. But I tell you what, he's like, I've got to preach. Paul was a man that had so much zeal burning in him that he was not looking for early retirement. He was not saying, now, Lord, I've paid my dues. Uh, I've got quite a few stripes on my back, and I'm ready now for a uh, two-year cruise around the Mediterranean. <laughs> He's not looking for a way out. He is looking, what else can he do to reach the Gentiles, to build up the church, and to continue to pray for the Jewish people that the gospel be unveiled to, the, to their understanding. He was a man on fire, but he was an apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was an apostle to the Jews. But wherever that assignment is, that's where the zeal will be burning at. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are kind of getting literally hot right now. And it's winter. It's not the heat. It's not the HVAC system. It is the Spirit of God moving in you, reminding you of your unique assignment and the, the need to get it done because of the great blessing in your life and the overflow into the lives of others that is, that is going to have the effect of. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So Paul was a man who had a mission. He had a very clear purpose. And like Jesus and Paul, we need to fix our eyes on the glorious end result because the zeal that drives us will produce things that sometimes are, it's just like unlimited. It's like it knows no bounds of how far this can reach, how far this will, will go. This is going to go, this could even extend past your own lifetime. This can be a transgenerational blessing that you're developing. There's a lot riding on it. Mm -mm. That's why you need that fuel or that fire of zeal. That's why God gives it. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Can, can you imagine trying to accomplish something major and you're not even into it? It's it's not exciting. And you may be even like, uh, uh, it maybe it's not, maybe you're not even attracted to it. No, no. When God gives you his assignment for your life, the flame, the fire comes with it. It may not stir others. <laughs> That's okay. But it sure stirs you. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, zeal reveals a complete identification with your assignment. Do you understand what I mean by that? Zeal reveals that you are completely identifying with, with what God has called you to do. That's, that's the connector. That's how you're identifying with it, with that zeal that's burning. So make everything that you have available, uh, make it available for that vision so that you can get it done. But that zeal burning in you, I mean, all of your intellect, apply it to it. Even your physical strength to go to work and to show up and to put your hands on it and get after it if you need to. Uh, put everything you can into it. Pray. Put your prayer life into it. Uh, put, your, put your focus into it. Glory to God. And when you do that, you will see that zeal, although not widely celebrated or understood, really is like the secret sauce in the recipe of vision accomplishment. It's like trying to bake a really good uh, item, and you've got the recipe, but um, if you don't have that secret sauce, 
uh, and people have had it before and you serve it, it's not the same. Glory to God. So let that be stirred up in you right now by the Holy Spirit, because I know that the fire of the Spirit of God is burning in your heart right now. Now, there could be a few that are listening to me, and you have not yet discovered God's vision or core plan for your life. And I'm not just speaking in general, because sometimes people say, well, our God's plan for us is to worship Him or to praise Him continually. I, I understand that, that we're created to glorify God, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a mission or a purpose that God put you on the earth here for. He did. He did, and He put it in you. So if you have not yet discovered that, keep drilling down until you contact that vision and it becomes very crystallized in your understanding of your uniqueness and your calling and your purpose. And when it comes, yeah, the fire is always there with it. Praise God. And give it everything you've got. Praise the Lord. Now, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching right now. Many are sensing that fire. That fire. They know they're on track. And for many, they've already made some good progress. So, Father, let the zeal continue to burn. And, Father, I pray that it would burn so strong that distractions that would be veiled as if by Satan transforming into an angel of light, that those distractions that are designed to deviate them off of that set path, I pray that, I pray it would expose that wide open so that they see it. And they realize that the enemy is afraid because you're going to get it done. So, Father, I pray that there be such clarity, such zeal, that they will not be distracted. Even if it would offer, uh, this, certain distractions can be designed so well, they may appear to offer increase. But, Father, those are a trap. And the trap does not spring shut until the bait has been grabbed. But I thank you they're not going to take that either. Father, I thank you that they're going to stay on track. They're going to be who you called them to be, and they're not going to try to uh, endeavor to be something that you never did call them to be. They're not responsible for that. Father, let them be free in you. Let them be free to fulfill their calling, and I thank you that they know it and the flame's burning. Father, we thank you that because of this, you're going to receive a lot of glory, more perhaps than we have ever uh, understood. Now, we thank you in Jesus' name. Bless your people. Let the zeal of the Lord consume them. Mm. Father, let the zeal of the Lord consume them. Let this be their month of zeal, having encounters with the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of zeal that fired up Jesus. Now, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. We pray, and together we say, Amen. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, get your life right with God today. Make your peace with God today by receiving Jesus. I'm going to lead you in prayer in just a moment. Also, if you used to be a believer and you followed the Lord, but something happened and the enemy deceived you and you got off into some stuff that's not good, come back right now, get restored back to the Lord, and God will get you back on track and the zeal will light back up and uh, you can still get it done, okay? Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I want you in my life. Jesus, I repent of all of my sins. Please forgive me 
And Jesus, save me now. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. And step into my life today and light me on fire with your purpose and your zeal. Thank you, O God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Glory, glory. God is good. Now, we're going to take Holy Communion. And if you haven't taken communion, I want to encourage you to do this because this is also vital for your spiritual health. Praise God. So grab some unleavened bread. Grab a little cracker. If you don't have that, uh, go to your fridge and grab a loaf of bread and just tear off a little piece. Praise God. That'll work just fine. And grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it. We set it apart as being holy through this prayer. We thank you. This is now the body and the blood of Jesus, our Savior. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for an understanding of zeal and a cooperation with your spirit to keep the fire burning hot. We thank you, O God, for strength and endurance. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the hedge of protection of the blood all around about us during the daytime, even at night while we sleep. We thank you for your protection. Father, as we receive the blood of Jesus, we thank you for your mighty cleansing power. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. Let's drink together. Glory to God. Now, my friends, before you go today, I'm going to put the giving link up on the screen as we are in the final month of the year. We are at this time also endeavoring to raise the amount needed to record new television shows for our Pure Gold TV program. And because of your love, your support, your help, we are now in over 200 nations of the world broadcasting every week out of Bethlehem, Israel, as well as beaming down over the world through various satellite networks. But it's time to get back in the studio and knock out some new programs. I'm ready to record a half year of programs, but I need $26,000 to do it. I would ask that you would uh, seek the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Uh, Look at what you can do. Ask the Lord what he would have you do. And then just simply obey the Lord. Praise God. Christian television is the front line offensive of taking the gospel to the nations of the world. Our satellite footprint of potential viewers is over 3 billion people, and we're on the networks every single week, some of them multiple times a week. Praise God. And that's all because of your giving, but we've got to keep the content evergreen. We have to keep the content fresh. So in order to do that, I'm ready to... to, um, do some new shows. So send me back to the studio to record. We have our studio in Charlotte, but it, it is produced by a professional group of men and women, highly skilled each in their uh, uh, individual task. We uh, we are recording with the highest level URSA cameras. Those are 4K high-res cameras. And um, 
It's done on a pro level. Many of you have seen our Pure Gold program on television. You you see that it is first class all the way. So that's why it's pricey. So it's 26K. And if you're if you've been really blessed by the Lord and you have the ability and you love this teaching and you see the value of it and how it's changing people's lives, perhaps you could help me just knock a whole year out. I will stay there for weeks and it will take me a few weeks and I will record an entire year of programs. That would be $52,000. Now, the reason that I record a whole bunch at once is because that's the most effective way to do it. In television recording, you go into the studio, you start in the morning and you just teach all day long and you knock them out, you knock them out, you knock them out. Then they all get edited. It takes uh, months to edit them because that's where a lot of the work is done at and also where a lot of the cost is. And then where they're done, they're uploaded on uh, satellite links and they go up to these uh, networks and they shoot them down all over the world. So, through your giving, you can stand with me. We share in the eternal rewards together. Okay, so the information is now on the screen. And if you're wanting to give online, just click at the header at the top that says give online and click the little drop down menu that says fund, F-U-N-D, and you'll see the you'll see the tab Pure Gold TV. Woo! Thank you. Thank you so much for helping me. Praise God. And um, as you know, my wife and others do postings for the ministry, uh, like on Instagram and things like that. Uh, keep an eye on our ministry Instagram account because whenever we get to the studio to record, we'll be popping out things, and that way you can see behind the scenes kind of you know what we're doing and things like that. But thank you so much for your giving, Heavenly Father. I pray you bless your people that as they're sowing to the nations, I pray that their harvest come back in a way where they need it most that their every need be met. And Father, I pray that you bring your people out of debt. I pray that you bring them into overflowing abundance. And Father, let their lives have great beauty that people see Christ in them. Father, multiply their seeds, bless them. I thank you, Father, for them standing with me, helping me to preach the gospel around the world. Father, we give you all the praise. Thank you for their beautiful harvest. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. By the way, on that giving link, we now uh, can accept crypto, and we even have the ability uh, to receive stock. Praise God. Now, if crypto and stock are given, we've had stocks given before. Uh, this is not an investment house. We don't let it sit there and uh, you know try to uh, you know work with the market. No, we exchange it put it in U.S. currency so that we can do what? Preach the gospel. <laughs> Amen. This is not a brokerage company. <laughs> this is a ministry. When things are given, uh, we convert it and use it to continue to preach the gospel all over the world. So that is an option that might be something that some of you would be interested in giving through that platform. All right. So thank you for listening today. Go with the zeal of the Lord. Let it burn. Let it burn and let it be that driving force. I think you'll be shocked at how much you'll accomplish when you let that zeal really burn unhindered. God bless you. I'll see you back again real soon.